grab your Bible, grab your app, grab whatever it is you need uh, one way or another uh, to get God's Word, Nehemiah chapter 4, in front of you this morning. Uh, Yeah, make your way there. So then, fear and doubt is often what prevents you and I from doing the work that the Lord has called us to accomplish. You, you find yourself in a break room or on a car ride or somewhere uh, with a friend, with a, a co-worker, a, a classmate, the, the mother of your child's friend, someone, right? Someone somewhere and the conversation begins to get a little real. And suddenly you, you get that sense, most likely a prompting of the Holy Spirit, that, that you should ask them about their beliefs in God. Maybe you should tell them about your faith in Christ. That's, that's kind of the moment. And, and you might not call it fear, and you might not call it doubt, but you, you know that deep down that all these excuses that we conjure up in our mind, that they have grown out of a fear of what will this individual think of me if I tell them what I think, or, or it's conjured up from this, this doubt regarding whether this person actually needs a Savior, whether this person actually needs to hear the gospel salvation at all. Or maybe some, some lingering doubt in, in regards to the, the solid truth that Jesus is real. That, it, that he's actually resurrected. resurrected that, that he actually saves sinners. Fear and, and doubt. These are the, the enemy of obedience to the work of the Great Commission which our Lord has called us to. And And like those building the wall of Jerusalem here, if if we are to get past our fears and our doubts that are growing in our hearts at times, we we must focus not on on the strength of our enemy, but on on the sovereign might and the reliability of of God who has redeemed us. The the God who we we honor with our service. The the God who we long for our friends and our neighbors and our co-workers and our classmates and strangers. We walk past on the side of the the street, right? we, We long for them to know our God intimately and to be at peace with God because they need it. Because that's the joy we've experienced. And so then... As a reminder, right, last week we left off, uh, there's this threat, there's a temporary work stoppage as Nehemiah and the others put into uh, play a, a security plan. And as Nehemiah, at the very end, right, the last thing we saw is when he stands up Braveheart-like, maybe riding on his horse with his face painted and everything, right, he rose up and he said to the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, for your sons, for your daughters, your wives, and your homes. And so then let's, let's finish up Nehemiah chapter 4. We're going to read beginning in verse 15 here. Follow along. When our enemies heard that it was known to us and that God had frustrated their plan, we all returned to the wall, each to his work. And that day on, from that day on, half of my servants worked on construction. And half held the, spear, the spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. And the leaders stood behind the whole house of Judah who were building on the wall. Those who carried burdens were loaded in such a way that each labored on, uh, on, uh, on with the work, uh, with one, with working with one hand and held his weapon with the other. And each of the builders held his sword, had his sword strapped at his side while he built. The man who sounded the trumpet was beside me. And I said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, The work is great and widely spread, and we are separated on the wall far from one another. 
In the place where you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. And so we labored at the work, and half of them held the, held the spear from the break of dawn until the stars came out. I also said to the people at the time, Let every man and, and his servant pass the night within Jerusalem, that, that they may be a, a guard for us by night and may labor by day. So neither I nor my brothers nor my servants nor my men of the guard uh, who followed me, none of, none of us took off our clothes. Each kept his weapon at his right hand. The grass withers, the flower fades. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love your word. We, we long to learn from it, to understand it, to be changed by it. Holy Spirit, please drive out every mental distraction, remove apathy from our hearts, and draw us into these words. Draw us into this story, the, the truth that we have just read and that we seek to understand better and to apply to our lives this morning. And this we pray in the glorious name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So the first thing we learn here is that the, the enemies, right, Sanballat, uh, Tobiah, the Arabs, the, the Ammonites, the Ashadites, a bunch of A names for some reason, uh, these enemies have learned that the, the Jews are prepared for whatever they're going to bring. Whatever sneak attack they think they're going to have, it's not happening. And, 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 it's, and so they've been frustrated, right? That's the way Nehemiah puts it there. The enemies have learned that God has frustrated their evil plan, which acknowledges the sovereignty of God in, in a situation where it would be so incredibly easy to just pass over. What, what's God have to do with any of this, right? It'd be easy to say, well, look at brilliant Nehemiah. Look at this man with his strong leadership, with his, his clever strategy, what he has come up with. He has frustrated the plans of these enemies. You know, let's, let's make him a five-star general. Let's give him a parade. Let's put his face on our money because look what he has done. But, but God's people can see that it is indeed God who is working through his people here. And thus they give glory to God. They acknowledge God's, God's the reason for their success here. And so here we, we see a very tangible example of, uh, of those often quoted words from Psalm 33.10. Uh, the Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. The Lord is still frustrating the plans of the peoples today. Not, not always in the way that we want. Not how I want, not how you want, not when we want. But, but rather according to his own sovereign will. And yet the Lord is frustrating the plans of the people. I mean... Uh, you know, so we, we need to be looking for that, right? I mean, how often do you just look at what's going on in the world and, and, and look for how, how God is working around you, maybe to frustrate the, the evil plans of, of people? And be grateful. I don't know if we do that enough. We, we tend to see only what's going wrong. Be grateful for the way the Lord is, is frustrating evil plans in the world. And so then, because of the frustrating work that God has done, the, the Jews return to their places of work. Right back into that, I, I keep seeing in, in various reports of people doing that today, going back to their, their places of work. And as I, I thought about their, their work environment here, I, I began to, to wonder, how, how do you feel about your own work environment? Do you, how do you strive it? Do you, do you feel safe there? Do you feel danger when you're there? Is it, is it a peaceful place? Is it a, a stressful place to return to? Are, are, are there people there that want to literally kill you? I know, I can't say that to a room full of army folks and not be like, well, actually, uh, yes. Uh, right, but for the rest of you, is, is that your day-to-day -day experience, right? Tim doesn't show up at his lab, I don't think, and, and fear that some militia is going to kick down his door and come in there, in there, 
right? Um, Nicole is not, you know, it's not worried about getting anything done in the office today because, oh, it's her day to stand at the door with the, the big gun, right, to make sure things are good here. But, but that's reality here. For the, for the Jews here, they're, they're, they're working on this wall, and it's not that things are uncomfortable or someone was rude to them in the office. It's that some people might come and kill us while we're at work today. And, and, and I'm thinking, right, in, in general, this work environment in Jerusalem is probably not going to pass OSHA certification. It, it seems unlikely. Uh, there's no mention of hard hats. And, and yet, now that the immediate threat has passed, they are returning to work, and not because it's absolutely safe, but because the work must continue. And the work did continue. Look at verse 16. You, you see it there, right? The work continues. Half, half the people now are doing construction work while the other half stood guard, dressed in armor, bearing weapons to protect those who are actually doing the work at the moment. Now, don't miss how beautiful this is. The, the unity that we see here. Don't miss how, how they are looking out for each other, doing different things in the moment, but looking out for each other. All, also that the work that the Lord has called them to could actually continue. So let us be asking ourselves, I mean, hey, these are questions that need to roll through our, our minds. How can I today, facing different threats, come alongside my, my fellow Christian and, and look out for them for the purposes of the gospel? You're not alone. We function like we are alone sometimes, afraid to ever ask anyone to, to come alongside. If, if you need someone to come alongside to you, as you minister to someone, ask a brother, ask a sister in the Lord to, to come and to help you out. Whether, whether that's watching your kid while you go meet with someone so you can have a conversation without saying, hold on a moment, 800 times, or, 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 or going with you to some situation that just seems terrifying. You don't want to go into that. It it's physically seems scary to me for safety reasons or wh whatever it might be that we, we bring each other into it. Even if it's just for the support of a, another person who, who comes along and encourages you as you do this. We, we need each other. And so let's, let's stand alongside each other in the, for the work that the Lord has called us to. And in verse 17, you've got it in front of you. Have a look. Uh, verse 17, there's this strange picture, right? It's a uh, it's a picture of people who are, are, are carrying things, maybe supplies from one area to another, maybe pieces of rubble, and, and, and so they've got to be set up in such a way uh, that they are, they are holding a, a tool with one hand and they're, and they're holding a, a sword with another hand. I don't usually have physical props for you, but today is a special day, mostly because any excuse to pull out a sword, you've got to take it. Um, this is kind of the picture of working, right? Working here with your sword ready to go here. Um, that, that's the idea here is we need to be ready at any given moment that, that here is the sword I'm sure that made life much easier on you right you couldn't it's too big I'm going to put it here it's a Zelda sword um, but, but can you imagine trying to work that way always looking over your shoulder with a sword in your hand I've got to make sure this rock's precise but just in case You've got that sword in your hand ready to go. And then in verse, verse 18, we, we learn that not only were, were half the people serving as guards, but those that are working on the wall, they, they've got the sword strapped to their side in case enemies attack. There's swords everywhere, right? One, one detail I don't want you to miss here is, is how the work continued at a slower pace. And a slower pace is, that's okay. But, but let us always continue the work that the Lord has called us to us. And, and in the generation before my own, there were these huge stadium evangelistic events, the, the Billy Graham gatherings and, and such, they were very common. Even in my own childhood, the uh, 
uh, promise keeper gatherings, these huge gatherings where a bunch of people would learn about Jesus and in and, and massive events like that, those, those events are less likely to exist in our current age. But, but today, you, you and I continue the work of the Lord as we share the hope of, of Christ with people at a slower pace and under, under different threats, right? Maybe more threats. Today, we are more likely to, to, to lose relationships if we want to talk about Jesus with someone. We are more likely to put our, our careers in danger of some regard, right, uh, when we talk about Jesus. And, and you've got to be wise, but always faithful, always faithful to the work that the Lord has called us to. It's going to be a slower pace, and, and that's okay. Let us keep to the work that the Lord has called us to. And, and so then in, in verses 18 to 20, we, we learn that Nehemiah has this guy with a trumpet next to him. Right? We, we use the word trumpet. It would be something called a, a shofar. I was going to play one for you, but alas, I couldn't find anyone who had one. Uh, Christine was the most likely candidate, and she didn't have one. Um, it, is, it is this... Weird horn, it's, it's the, the horn you hear, Tolkien's horn of Gondor, right? It's like that, that uh, at the end of the Fellowship of the Ring, when they call everyone together, it's the exact same situation that's happened like that. If you're familiar with the Universal Studios intro little video where it's the horn and then dun, dun, that horn right there, that, that's what it sounds like. The, the whole point of, of the blast here, though, the blast of the horn is, is this response that if there's a threat, everyone can gather. And, and here's why it's such a brilliant plan, because it, it not only lets you gather for the moment that there's a threat that you can fight together, but it, but it also put everyone at ease. You're, you're talking about roughly a, a mile radius that they're, they're working, that they're spread out. And uh, they had to wonder, right, is, is everything okay in the other sections? Are they okay? We don't, we don't know. And so they could just work without fear that maybe... Maybe there was something going on, this perpetual fear going on, and they could focus on the task at hand. Uh, but, but notice that after the horn would be blown, they'd gather together and they'd fight together. But did you notice that's not the way Nehemiah puts it? Look at his words in verse 20. We are, we're going to gather together and we'll fight, but really what's going to happen is our God, our God will fight for us. That, that's the way he puts it. First of all, notice Nehemiah doesn't say God will fight for us, which would have been fine, but he says our God, right? Because God has made us his people. We have this covenantal relationship with God, established by God. He's the one who keeps it. Christian, God cares for you. His love for you is is genuine. It is steadfast. Secondly, God is not distant. He is with his people. He intervenes. And I, I just love this because here we see that Nehemiah has no doubt that, that the God, he told his covenant, you know, the covenant people to remember back in verse 14, which we looked at last week, right? Remember the Lord. That God, our God, will not forget his people. He remembers us and fights for us. He's with us. Now, if, if you can, uh, quickly flip over to Exodus 14. Right, second book of your Bible, you're going left, Exodus 14. Uh, and the situation here is, is Pharaoh, the, the king of Egypt, he's enslaved the Israelite people for 430 years at this point, I mean, which means right, the, the current generation has no idea what it might be like to be free. They're born into this slavery, that's all they know, they have no clue. Uh, and, and the Lord has chosen Moses to be the, the earthly leader of his people and and the ten plagues have just happened, all those nasty things, and the Passover has just happened, and now they are just hightailing it out of Egypt, they are going to their homeland as fast as they can travel, and they come to the Red Sea, 
a big body of water, which by all accounts is the dead end, we, we're done, right? Because Pharaoh shows up behind him, and Pharaoh predictably is angry. He's got his whole army with them. Uh, they are doomed. And, and now let's read there, verse 14, um, beginning, no, chapter 14, verse 10. When, when Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them. And they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. Listen to this bitter sarcasm. It's, I mean, in the sense of sarcasm, it's pretty brilliant. Uh, they said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you you shall never see again. And now look at verse 14 here. The Lord will fight for you. And you have only to be silent. The Lord will fight for you. Do you know how the story ends? God miraculously turns the Dead Sea into a dry path of escape for his people and into into a death trap for their enemies. That's our God. He he fights for us. As the uh, Apostle Paul fearlessly declared in Romans 8.31, if God is for us, who can be against us? Do you believe that? God fighting for us is not intended to imply that we do nothing. Just standing around and kicking the dirt. Even the Israelites escaping Egypt had to, to run the path that the Lord had provided for them. God, God fighting for his people in Nehemiah's day didn't mean they just, they just hung out. We're going to stay in here. God take care of that. We'll come out when it's done. Right? It wasn't like that. God, God's sovereignty does not work like that. They, they were called to fight. To actually be involved in the fight. But the Lord would win the battle. Or prevent the battle from ever happening at all. Of all this, Derek Thomas says, God is working on our behalf and we are to give our impassioned effort to the, to the fool in doing our duty. Remember Paul, Apostle Paul again teaching in Philippians 2.12, you know, talking about salvation even says, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And like the escape from Egypt, like the the building of the walls in Jerusalem, the adversity that we face today, get this, the adversity that we face today will tomorrow become our testimony to the Lord's love and provision for us. When, When you face adversity, when you don't see a solution, whenever it is, whatever it is going on in your life, you think, I don't know how how this turns out okay. I don't see a way out of this. I don't, I mean, just when you're tempted to be, you know, angry in these moments and, and the Lord provides for you in ways that you never even imagined possible. I did not see that coming and yet here's how the Lord provided. This is not what I wanted. He did this and yet this is how it provided for us. That becomes another moment that you can remember, that you can point others to, that proves the Lord God Almighty fights for you, cares for you, provides for you. Verse 21 in our passage, so we says, so we labored at the work, and half of them held the spears from the break of dawn until the stars came out. They, they worked longer hours than, 
They used every uh, moment available to them in order to continue this work. This shows us just how dedicated they are to the, what the Lord has called them to. Now, well, don't worry about that. Now, I, I've shared before that during my, my freshman year in, in college, I, I had this solid group of Christian guys. We, we had a fake fraternity. Uh, I think I told you how we almost got kicked off campus, even though we're not a real fraternity. Uh, it was called the, the Alliance we had chants and everything. It was kind of ridiculous now that I look back at it. Uh, but we got into this, this fun war with a real fraternity, a Christian fraternity called Bucks. Beta, Upsilon, Chi, Brothers Under Christ. Uh, I believe they exist on the K-State campus now. Uh, anyway, earlier in the semester, we had, uh, it's just a crime of uh, opportunity. We were driving by and saw one of their members and he was walking home and, and so we kidnapped him. Uh, <clears throat> you could do this stuff in the 90s. No one called the police for some reason. Uh, and, and so we saran wrapped him to this pole on campus and, and then we called their house and we're just, you know, here's where he is. You should probably go get him soon. Uh, and, and that's how it goes. And, and I know it's, again, sounds weird, but before there was Netflix and TikTok, this is what you did in college. This is what life would have been. Uh, well, later that semester, we had, we had learned that they had plans sometime during one of these last weeks that they were going to come to our house and we're going to kidnap someone back and get revenge, as people tend to do. Uh, I lived in the dorms, not in the house with most of these guys, but I was told you're staying in the house this week. We need numbers. Uh, we, we also slept in our clothes. <clears throat> Some of the guys wore shoes and, and, you know, had duct tape and whatever thing they thought they might need. Uh, so you'd be prepared for this sneak attack. Now, I didn't realize this at the time, but all of this is eerily similar to the situation going on here in verses 22 and 23 there. Uh, Nehemiah has them remain in Jerusalem during the night. You don't go home to your families. You, you stay here. He's telling them, um, you're going to sleep in your clothes, right? Don't take them off at night. In, in the Hebrew, there's this, this phrase that's incredibly difficult to translate. Uh, your Bible probably has a note right next to it, right? Something like, each man kept his weapon in his right hand while getting water, or some of them just say, while water, which is why they provide getting water. Uh, any, anyway, the, the general idea here is that they, they stayed and they prepared for the attack around clock and, and and we're going to see in weeks ahead all this planning one of the beautiful things about this is it actually prevented the attack from ever cap happening at all right Be because here they are so prepared that it never happens now to finish the the college story because I always forget to do that and someone asked me afterwards right that that attack actually did occur it was after midnight on a Thursday night most of us were asleep in the house a few guys were up watching a movie uh, one guy's girlfriend Kristen uh, was watching the movie with them, and while claiming to go use the restroom, she actually unlocked the back door, uh, letting in a handful of Bucks guys, and, and as they tried to nab our, our roommate, we, we heard the noise, and we went to his room, and using a bunch of WWE moves, we were able to prevent this from, from ever happening. Uh, from, from that day forward, we never called her Kristen again. She was always the Trojan horse. <clears throat> Truly, I haven't seen her in a while, but if she walked in here, that's what I would call her today. <clears throat> um, so let, let's bring this passage to a close then. In, in Ephesians 6.13, uh, we as Christians are told to put on the whole armor of God. And, and this is because there, are, there is spiritual warfare that is taking place in the world that we live. We don't see it. Most of us have probably don't think about it much. Even, even as Christians, we don't think about this happening, but it's actually happening. And, and in this call to put on the whole armor of God is this assumption that we should expect attacks to come. 
We must be ready to face these spiritual attacks so that we will be able to stand firm. Now, the Ephesians passage goes on to say this. It says, Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with, uh, with which you can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. If you've never taken the time to study that passage in Ephesians 6, do that this week. Study it. Open up to it. Do some research. Learn, learn about it. You know, there's so much detail that we're not going to go into right now. Uh, but, but do that this week. Uh, and, and, and take note of the pronouns in this, right? They're, they're plural. I don't know if you can see that so well, but they're plural. We, we don't do this alone. We, we do this together, even this. And, and also remember that our, our God will, will fight for us. Our God has fought for us, right? You hear this all the time. Don't, don't let this just disappear off you, right? Our, our God has fought for us, having already won the victory of his death through his death and resurrection, H- having already bore the wrath of God in our place. And so today, let us, let us learn this. Let us be prepared with, with armor on, with, with sword in hand, prepared for an enemy's attack, Right? You think about what that sword is compared to, the, the word of God. It's a weapon for defense, but also an offensive weapon. That means study and know the scriptures. Right? You know this. If you just handle a sword to someone, or modern days, you just hand someone a gun, right? And like, just go defend the country. Uh, they don't know how to use that. It, it takes time to actually study and to know this. We, we need to understand the scriptures that we're Skilled in understanding it. So that it's constantly working on our own hearts. Uh, Let us gather together. Let us find strength in the covenant community that God has given us. All throughout this, what we see is the the unity and the battle together. Even as they're spread out, they're prepared to come together when necessary. Uh, Also, we must remember and trust that our, our sovereign God, he does indeed fight for us. Again, do, do you hear that? God fights for us. Do, do you believe that? Do you really? God will fight for you. Finally, look at verse 21. It's, it's such a small, seeming unremarkable statement, but all week my, my thoughts kept getting drawn back to the, that first little phrase there. So we labored at the work. I just think in the midst of all of this, all, all these threats... All the discomfort, their life is, is thrown off from all that was normal for them. All, all the worries of their family's safety, worries for their own safety, uncertainty if the wall will, will actually get built at all. Or are we just wasting our time out here? And, and yet in the midst of all of this, uh, after the promise that comes just before this, the promise that God will fight for them, they say, so we labored at the work. Isn't that a beautiful phrase? How, how about we, we take up that phrase ourselves? So, so many fear-inducing things in the world, so much to be discouraged by today, and yet the Lord has called us to put on the whole armor of God and, and to go, therefore, and to make disciples. And remember, right, in that passage where Jesus calls us to, to go make disciples, Matthew 28, he, he ends that saying to them, Behold, I am with you, always to the end of the age. 
May, may you and I one day look back and, and be able to, to say, despite all the threats, all the fears, all the doubts, all the concerns, all the enemies, still we labored at the work. Let's pray. Oh Lord, our God, you fight for us. You are for us. You have won the battle for our souls. You have defeated sin and death upon the cross. You have risen victorious to life. And you sit at the right hand of the Father. So may we go from here today with great confidence in you. With renewed resolve to put away fear and doubt so that we may be servants in in the expansion of your glorious kingdom. Protect us. Give us wisdom in, in how to wisely labor in the midst of great opposition to the gospel. Make us ready in season and out of season to, to proclaim the, the soul-freeing message of hope in which we ourselves have believed. Do what only you can do in our hearts, Lord. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. As we prepare for the Lord's Supper, let us stand um, how firm a foundation let's stand and sing together